Welcome to You Have Real Estate with me, attorney Justin Clark. Whether you're a first-time home buyer, seasoned investor, or looking to sell your home, this next 30 minutes is designed for you. Think of it like taking a tour of multiple open houses with me, all from your living room with my attorney advice throughout the way. If you have any questions throughout the show, give us a call. We have people standing by 407-205-0400 or visit the website youhavepower.com. Thanks for joining me today. We're gonna to have great interviews with fantastic real estate agents, but first it's time for my opening statement. Really good news for home buyers out there this week. Mortgage rates have dipped to a two year low. The average 30-year fixed mortgage has dropped to, listen to this, 3.82%. 15-year fixed, 3.28%. Can you believe that? I mean, if you look at history, rates have just simply never been this low. And it makes me nervous for those of us that are still renting because the rental rates are incredibly high right now. A recent Freddie Mac study, this is Freddie Mac. These are the people lending the money out there said that we are overestimating the mortgage qualification requirements. They did a study of many of us, and we believe when asked that the FICO score needed to get a mortgage right now is 650. When Freddie Mac in actuality tells us the FICO score you need to get a mortgage is 580. That's 580. And then Freddie Mac asked this question. They said, what do you think the minimum down payment would be to get a mortgage? What did we say? 10%. In actuality, it's 3%. This study showed that even those of us who know our credit are still being scared off from purchasing a home because of our misconceptions about what's required. Now, these misconceptions are understandable because we all lived through 2006 when we needed a pulse and a pen to get a mortgage. It was super easy, right? Literally, you could be making $10 an hour and get a million dollar mortgage. Then we lived through 2010 when essentially it took an act of Congress to get a mortgage back then. But it's become much easier and everyone out there wants you to know. And these misconceptions are very dangerous. And let me tell you why. The rental market in Orlando is out of control. The average rental rate for an apartment in Orlando in 2018 was $1,387. 2019, it's jumped up to $1,000. $477 for a one bedroom is 1300. I mean, to rent something right now is out of control and they're only climbing. The rental rates are going up and up every single day. Now I did a little math. If we go back to that 3.82% fixed rate over 30 years, how much can you afford to buy in a house at 3.82% to make your payment 1477? You know what I figured out? $320,000 home to pay your principal and interest. So you can buy a house for $320,000 for the same price that you can pay rent for an apartment here in Orlando. If you have questions or you're ready to make that next step and buy a house, give us a call right now. We do have people standing by to take your call to get you pre-approved. 407-205-0400. You can also visit the website, you have power. Dot com. 
Now let's get to the good stuff here. How are you guys? I got Vic Mahadeo and I have Saxon Evans. They're both with Hold Tissen, uh, a real estate company here. You guys focus mostly on commercial, That's I right. believe, right? Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. It's good to be here. Hey, I think people don't necessarily understand the, the differences between commercial and residential. They think, oh, you know, a real estate agent's a real estate agent. They can do everything. What are some of the differences, though, in commercial versus residential? Sure, uh, I'll take this one. So commercial is more of a, almost a bank underwriting approach. We take the properties and look directly at the numbers and we don't sell as much of as a lifestyle. It's more the dollars and cents and will it make sense five years, 10 years, 20 years from now and whether or not you should buy it today. All right, good deal. So let's say I'm a business owner, okay, Vic? I'm a business owner, I've been renting for a while just because it just seems natural to own my house but rent my business. But why are more of us that are business owners not purchasing the property that we're running the business in? What are some of the pros and cons of, of owning versus leasing our commercial property? Well, the cons are simple. It's the risk, right? the risk in the real estate um, and having the extra capital to put in. But if you're renting a space, uh, it's simple, just like residential. If you're renting an apartment, um, that money can be put into the mortgage for the property. If you buy a small office and you basically pay yourself the rent, that's your mortgage. And the long term, that becomes equity in the property. You can sell the business down the road and hold the real estate or sell the whole thing as a package. Let's say that I am, let's say I own a, a dry cleaning business, yeah. right? And then I actually buy the real estate involved as well. When I go to sell that business along with the real estate, do you think that's helpful in my ability to sell the whole package? Yeah. And, and it also gives you the flexibility where if you have a buyer who wants the business and they can't afford the entire package with the real estate, then you have a long-term tenant. Got you it. can sign a lease with that buyer and then that's, you know, you, the tenant is paying the mortgage for you. Got it. In my opening statement, Saxon, we were talking a little bit about residential financing sure. and about how the rates are, are, are very good right now for buyers. How does financing work when I'm buying a commercial property? It's pretty similar, but uh, sadly, the loan-to-value rates that the banks are currently offering are quite a bit lower. You were saying 3% down. The best I've seen is 20% down, and that is with an immaculate balance sheet. So I think it's because uh, the residential market typically has people who live in the assets they purchase, mm -hmm. and the commercial side, they don't live there. So with a non-recourse loan, they can walk away, and the banks know that, so they... Uh, they kind of stick it to them a little bit more. Got it. Vic, what do you think? Is Let's say I'm an investor. I'm trying to get into real estate investing. I think we all understand how to go flip a house or you know, you can buy a residential property and rent it out. Sure. What about commercial? I don't think we think about commercial for investors as much. Is commercial good for investors? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, typically, when you're looking at a commercial property to purchase, uh, you look for something that either has a lot of upside, so it's a lot of vacancy, so you know that rent that you put in after you get new tenants in there, that's more money in the pocket, or you look at something that's stable something with good long-term tenants, with a Class A building, um, good property management behind it, and that, that's a more secure investment. Yeah, gotcha. So. All right, does commercial follow residential value-wise? Let me preface this by saying, we talked earlier about the 2006 was the peak of the market. In 2006, certainly was the peak of the residential market, right? But mm -hmm. where was commercial then? Does commercial follow residential or does, does residential follow commercial? How does it work? It all comes down to interest rates. So about six months after we topped in 06, 07, you had the commercial market following it. And what it was was the banks were having a hard time on the residential lending side. So when it came to commercial, they were a little scared. So they demanded more uh, background checks on you and higher LT or lower LTVs and more money down. So uh, in essence, yeah, you know, which one wags the other, but 
uh, they all kind of go the same way. Now let's say that the residential market collapsed right now. Sure. Would you expect the commercial market to follow soon thereafter? Would it be a year? Would it be six months? Would it be simultaneous? I think that uh, we're pretty late in a cycle for commercial, and I do think that if you take your risk tolerance a little too far, you could get hurt coming up. And the reason for that is just because if interest rates do rise, I go back to this again, it's going to get harder to get those loans and money becomes far more expensive. So right. properties have to come down. Let's say, Vic, that I, I do own a business, right? But I'm renting the actual real estate where, where I run the business. Is it is it easier for me to get a loan for a, an owner-occupied type type location versus me going out and investing in a different commercial property somewhere. Yes. And and the reason for it is you're invested in that property. You know, you're you're more likely to take care of it and less likely to skip on the loan. I don't know why as a society we think that renting our business feels somewhat natural. I don't know if it's we're we're just not all in in our business or what, but look, I highly recommend at least looking at the numbers if you own a business and buying that real estate as well, because I can tell you from experience, when you go to sell it, buyers love owner-occupied where they can buy the real estate, yes. buy everything, and I think that the, the mortgage companies and the people financing the deal kind of like that as well. Sure. They really do. So I know you guys have a couple of awesome properties to show us. And if you have any questions for these guys right now, it's 407-205-0400. Vic's going to take us down to St. Cloud. This is a retail slash medical space in St. Cloud. Vic, tell me about this one. Yes, sir. So I've got a second gen pharmacy space actually for, uh, for lease. It's in St. Cloud. Um, pretty central location right on the way into Kissimmee from the Melbourne area. Uh, about two miles from Harmony, a mile and a half from the St. Cloud Hospital, direct frontage to Highway 192, about 30,000 cars a day. So the space is 1,145 square feet, uh, very good condition. It was owner-occupied for a while. That owner actually sold the operation, so something similar to what we were right. just talking about. Um, pharmacy moved out, and we're looking, ideally, another retail pharmacy would be great, but it's set up really well for any kind of small retail or even medical. And what's the price on this one? This one we're asking 18 a square foot. And tell me, I'm so glad you said that. Yes, so sir. when you say 18 a square foot, sure. those of us who don't have a lot of commercial experience are going to say, okay, that's 18 a square foot. We've got 1,000 square feet. 18,000 a month? You can't be that much, right? So it's $18 per square foot Why in the world in commercial do we do square footage <laughs> that way? And in residential, we do it another way. Why do we do this? Who, who do I blame, basically, if you put it that way? That, I don't know. <laughs> because it, it does scare people when they first start to, to look to rent. Yeah, I mean, they, they say, okay, so it's 18 bucks a square foot, and you think instinctively that you do that per month, but it's really right. per year, then divided mm -hmm. by 12. Yes. Do we but, know why they do that, really? Saxon? I don't know why or where that came from, but at, at the end of the year, it's an easier line item to calculate. Yeah. You know, it's 18 times your square footage, and yeah. that's what you're going to get. So Okay, so don't be blown away when you hear 18 bucks a square foot. That is per year, not per uh, per month. What, what about CAM? Tell me about how does CAM really work? So CAM charges, they're the common area maintenance charges. It's um, property taxes, insurance, the maintenance of the property, the landscaping, irrigation, things like that. Mm -hmm. um, each tenant is re required to pay a proportionate share. Gotcha. of their cam charges. If you have questions for Vic, call him at now, 407-205-0400. People are standing by right now if you're interested in this property, and we'll also post it on the website, youhavepower.com. Now let's go back to Saxon. Evan Saxon, you have, now this is the real deal investment right here. This is the Marion Crossing Shopping Center up in Ocala. Tell me about this. 
Well, it's a, it's a beautiful property, and every agent or broker will say that about their piece, but it really is. We, we got this back out of a receivership, and um, Holt Tisson was the one that actually took it over and managed it, brought it up to speed, stabilized it, made it a, almost an annuity for the most part. People can buy this, and as long as they keep managing it correctly, they just keep making money. Sadly, this did go under contract since I sent these pictures oh, in. Oh, really? So uh, I'm going to do a soft sale on it. But the interesting thing is it's 19 acres on I-75, which is the largest trucking route on the west side of the state. And what we're seeing on the industrial side is that people are getting large portions of land by the interstate because as trucking becomes more automated, there's going to be that jump eventually from human beings behind the wheel to machines. And when that happens, they're going to want some sort of depot to offload the stuff, sure. pick it back up, and keep going. So you make money in the meantime, and at the end, you can transfer it or develop on it. Well, what kind of investor is really going to come in and make an offer and try to purchase this property? Is this going to be like you know, some random dude, or is this going to be some huge company? What, what are you typically looking for? All sorts. Really? So um, through the marketing process, we had individuals come. We had people that wanted to completely destroy it, build a hotel, build apartments, do whatever they wanted. And then we had a, a group of investors, that all professionals, that came in finally, and uh, they came to the number we wanted and uh, decided to go with them. So If you buy something like this, I imagine you're probably not going to manage it yourself. What do you do for management on something this size? You really have to pick someone you trust because by picking a manager, it's it's like picking someone that's going to watch your kid. I mean, I hate to say it, but at the end of the day, they're going to be the people that call you and tell you there's a problem and tell you how to fix it. Gotcha. So we were lucky enough to manage this, and you should have seen it before. It was a, a nice site, good bones, but it just wasn't stabilized. And uh, Hold Tisson did a good job, thanks yeah. to Vic and the team. If you want to make a backup offer now on this property, <laughs> give us a call, 407-205-0400. We'll also post this one on the website, youhavepowered.com. Saxon Evans, Vic Mahadeo with Hold Tisson. Yes, good job today, guys. It's good to be here. Now, Saxon, you're going to stick around for the sure. Real Estate Roundtable, I hope, right? Yes, sir. And Vic, we'll see you here in a few minutes, buddy. Right, Great thank job. You. Thank you so much. Well, yeah, we're going to switch gears a little bit from commercial back to something that, that I know you're probably a little bit more familiar with, and it's residential real estate. We talked earlier about how the interest rates are at a two-year low, and certainly just historically low. I mean, back in the Jimmy Carter days, the mortgage rates were 20%, and now we're at 3.8%, which is insane. But the scary part of things here, guys, is that the rental market, the rental market's great. It's great if you're a landlord. If you're looking to live in a place and you're a renter, the market is not so good. There's not a lot of vacancy and the rates are very, very high. So we invited our good friend, Greg Martinez. He's the broker owner of Greg Martinez Realty to help us figure out how we can really buy a house. Welcome to the show, Greg. How are you? Good morning. Thanks for having me. So first of all, I noticed both of the listings we're going to show for you are in, in gorgeous Baldwin Park. Correct. Right? But I can't help but notice the, the mall that kind of leads into Baldwin Park there. Do we know what's going on with that thing? Is it? Are, are we going to redevelop it, I hope? Uh, you're talking about Fashion Square. There you go. That's and it. Uh, the last I read on that, and I will obviously defer to, <laughs> to the commercial guys, but that it was uh, somebody was coming in to take another shot at uh, developing, uh, developing it into a open shopping um, center. I mean, I think that's where we're going as a society now. For mm -hmm. some reason, we're just not into these big shopping malls I mean, with Amazon and all these other things. But I think a, a whole outdoor sort of community, that seems to be what's working. Right. But I think that could also help probably Baldwin Park to take it from this old, somewhat dilapidated old mall 
to a really cool outdoor adventure zone, so to speak, you know? Right. As a, as a resident of Baldwin Park, I know I would appreciate it, and it would be a lot easier than having to go down the other end of town to, you know, access decent shopping. We have a lot of what I would call master plan communities here mm-hmm. in Central Florida. I can think of Celebration, Avalon Park, plenty of them, but Baldwin sure. Park certainly <clears throat> maybe even the, the most known. How do you find, Greg, that master plan communities typically hold value in relation to other places? Um, I think it's comparable and in some cases maybe a little better. Uh, first, I would note that because of an HOA, which a lot of people aren't crazy about, but it does help maintain the community, keeps it a uh, uniform look that helps you uh, with the value of your property. So the guy next door takes care of his. Uh, In the situation for uh, Baldwin Park, you have everything right there. It's it's totally walkable. Grocery store, uh, CVS, restaurants, shops, and you're within a great school district as well. I, I wanted to ask you about that because, you know, some people will, will complain somewhat about the Orange County school system in, in some places, no doubt mm-hmm. about it. But I've heard Baldwin Park, maybe they built a new school there that's supposed to be fantastic. Tell me about the schools around Baldwin. So within Baldwin Park, you have Glenridge Middle School and you have Baldwin Park Elementary, where the old Audubon Park elementary used to be and that's the older neighborhood right next to mm-hmm. baldwin park there's a brand new k through eight there that is um servicing that part of winter park now so some of the kids that were um at baldwin park elementary or at glenridge who lived in winter park are now attending that school it's summertime now obviously mm-hmm. you can tell you know you open your door to go outside you can tell immediately because right, you can right. barely breathe here right. in, in central florida but we always hear these rumors about summertime being the, the best time to buy or the best time to sell. I mean, what does summertime really mean for the real estate market here in Central Florida? Well, I, I think it's prime time, if you will, for the buying and selling season. Although uh, I would note that in my experience over the past few years, I see that buying and selling season starting a little earlier every year. I think some people want to get out there right after the holidays and kind of stand out a little bit from the competition, uh, from the other, you know, the inventory that's going to be coming. And I think some buyers feel like there's less competition for buyers as well. So would you say that summertime is better to be a buyer or a seller or, or neither? What do you think? Um, I think it's, it's even, but it's just more competition mm-hmm. in terms of more buyers out there bidding for the better houses. And uh, for sellers, it's also more competition because you're, you've got more inventory to, um, to compete against. What do you think? Because and let's just, you know, we can just be honest here on this show. We've heard so long now, two years at least now of, of it's a seller's market. It's a seller's market. You know, you got to offer over asking price if you're a buyer. I've heard some rumblings that it's flattened out a little bit. I mean, what do you see happening right now? What kind of market are we in? I see a little bit. I'm just going to compare it to where I was this time last year. And um, I see it, uh, you know, maybe softening a little bit. There's not really a, a perfect PC word to use that, that doesn't concern mm-hmm. people, but I don't see a big pullback or a crash. I just see, you know, slightly softening a bit. Got it. Homes are still moving. It just might take longer to get it sold. Gotcha. Now we have a lot of, uh, you know, overnight investors here in central Florida. There's all these investment shows on flipping houses on TV. Is there money to be made still in this current market by flipping houses? I think there is. Uh, there are definitely um, some specialists that will search those deals out for you. But generally speaking, I think if the inventory is lower, it's probably also going to be more competitive for the better uh, flip deals that are out there. The TV shows are, 
it's a, it's a TV show. Yeah, you know, it's gotta, <laughs> watch it. Watch it for 30 <laughs> minutes, right? Right. So. What's your problem with TV shows? They're fine. Just They're kidding. fine. It's just everything works out perfect on those, with, <laughs> you know, in exactly 30 minutes. Let's say I'm looking to sell my house right now. Okay. How local do I want my agent to be? I think it's, uh, I think it's critical. Um, neighborhoods vary from, you know, half a mile between each other. And if you've got a community that's got some quirkiness or some specifics to it that an agent from outside the area might not be familiar with, you have to kind of be concerned a little bit about how they're going to be able to present that and overcome some objections that might be coming at you about Got that it. neighborhood. Good deal. Greg Martinez, you're going to show us a couple of houses now in Baldwin Park that okay. are currently for sale, and I want you to call us. If you want to get pre-qualified or you want to make an offer on these properties, 407-205-0400. Stanfield Avenue, Baldwin Park. Greg Martinez, tell me about this one. This is a great house. Uh, three bedrooms, three and a half baths. And if you look at the structure behind it, that's a, a nice little bonus space over top of the garage. It has its own nice. bathroom in it as well. But what's most unique about this particular property you saw in the aerial shot there is it's on a quarter acre. And you don't typically see that size home on that size lot in Baldwin Park. So with that, they were able to put in an amazing pool, tons of brick pavers, and still plenty of yard uh, to run in. You got nice plantation shutters here, uh, all new appliances in this one, granite countertops. Um, this was built by David Weekly, who was one of the production builders in Baldwin Park. How are we doing on price point with this home on Stanfield? Uh, this one's at 735. Beautiful house. Really beautiful. And Wood I mean, floors, crown. I mean, they've it's it's beautifully finished. And you know, a lot of the houses in Baldwin certainly don't have room for pools and, and a real outdoor. That's what's key about this one. That the makes lot all the is difference. yeah, the lot is just amazing. That's a gorgeous shot of the pool right oh, there. Oh wow, yeah, that's really nice. Yeah, uh, that's unusual for Baldwin Park. Now we'll go right down the street from the house on Stanfield Avenue and let's visit Meeting Place. Greg Martinez. Wow, tell me about this one. Okay, so this is also built by David Weekly. Um, it's a few levels up of what the what the previous home was built is this david so, weekly a real dude or what i hear about him a, all the time no, is he like i a think real they're guy? based in texas they're a, okay. a large builder but this is a parkfront home which is also something people look for in uh in uh baldwin park is to be on one of the green spaces right. and you've got some nice eight foot french doors that open up out to the pool 16 foot ceilings in this one wood floors throughout the downstairs there's a, a full uh, guest suite downstairs as well. Three-car garage, pool. Uh, that's about a 10-foot island right there. Oh, wow. Um, and, of course, uh, six-burner gas cooktop. All appliances are um, GE monogram. Plantation shutters throughout. Just tons of great finishes in this house. And how are we looking on price with this house on Meeting Place in Baldwin Park? A million two ninety-five. Okay. And it's about uh, 4,800 square feet. What, what am I really looking for price per square footage in Baldwin Park? Where do I, where do I need to be? Well, it's interesting. That's not always um, easy to pinpoint because it's such a mixed, mm -hmm. you know, you have condos that are, uh, you know, 1,400 square feet. Townhouses up to 2,500. Single family homes custom built up to um, over five or 5,500 square feet. But generally, and I hate to pinpoint it because it's, yeah. it's tricky, but you're you're definitely going to be in the 200s gotcha. and it's going to be a fairly broad range. I'd say somewhere between 230s to uh, higher 200s. 
If you're looking for a property in Baldwin Park, call Greg Martinez. We're standing by right now, 407-205-0400. Both of these properties will be posted on our website, youhavepower.com. Thank you, Greg Martinez with Greg Martinez Realty. You're gonna stay around for the Real Estate Roundtable, I hope, right? And ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we're going to take your questions on today's Real Estate Roundtable. And if you have questions that you'd like us to answer on the show next week, reach out to me on the website. Go to youhavepower.com. Ask me your question right there, and we just might answer them live on the show next Saturday at 1230 on You Have Real Estate. All right, let's go to Chris and Dr. Phillips. Chris says, I'm selling my home. What type of mortgages should I be looking for the buyer to get? Ideally, a conventional at least 80-20. There are other programs out there that might require less, but the more skin in the game, if you will, that the buyer has, I think the happier the seller will be. So obviously somebody putting 50% down, that also might take some pressure off the appraisal if it comes in a little bit short. Gotcha. All right, back to Saxon, Evan, Saxon. Maria and Akoi ask, we are thinking about investing in commercial real estate, and we hear, keep hearing about cap rate. What is that? Uh, when I first started, cap rate really confused me too. <laughs> well, let's, help, <laughs> and, let's help Maria with it, go ahead. So what it is, it's the capitalization rate, which is pretty much the net income you get uh, divided by what you spent on the building. So a million dollar building that your net income's a million or a hundred thousand, you're looking at a 10 cap. And about uh, seven, eight cap, you're you're doing pretty well for yourself. So you want to keep it around seven to eight, and you're with you're good product. Okay. Uh, and then properties that might need a little little more work, mm-hmm. you'd want nine, ten, eleven. Gotcha. Okay, this question's for both of you, and it's from Ted in Winter Park. What is a good website to begin my house hunt? I would suggest uh, Realtor.com. And part of the reason for that is if you see a property that's listed that looks good and you're interested in it, it's easy to find the listing agent attached right to it. Some other websites, I won't name them, but um, (laughs) your listing might be up there, but somebody else's name might be closer to it, and it's a little confusing, not always clear as to who's actually the listing agent, but I feel like Realtor.com does a a good job of that. I know who you're talking about. Uh, I'm not gonna say it. (laughs) We know who you're talking about. Saxon, what about commercial? Because again, a lot of us know where to go residential wise to look for properties that are on MLS, but commercial, it's foreign to us. Where would I go to really look for commercial properties for sale or rent? To, to get the straightest answer, I would go to the property appraiser site. That's gonna give you a good idea of what the building's assessed at. And then turn around and go to what we call LoopNet. LoopNet would be our Zillow or Realtor.com. Mm-hmm. And it gives you a good underwriting report of most properties. Got it, okay. So Mary and Chuliota ask, I called on a house from the internet and the agent said she could represent the seller and me. Is this a good good idea, Greg Martinez? Um, The buyer can ask somebody to uh, represent them as a single agent, but in Florida, everybody is deemed to be um, a transaction broker, which means you can represent both sides of the transaction. You, you don't tip the hand of either party. Your job is to try to bring the transaction together. It, it's definitely a pressure situation, but uh, you can ask a, an agent to represent you as a single agent if he's working with the buyer, but um, not necessarily the listing agent. What do you think, co- and commercial? Should I have my own? 
Uh, it really depends on how much you trust the person. If you really trust somebody and they bring you an off or a deal that might be off market, let's say not listed on LoopNet or Realtor.com, right. they might be able to give you a discount on their commission as well. So there's a lot you can do to make the deals work. It doesn't really work with residential. Commissions are pretty set, but... Uh, Sadly, commercial's a little more lenient. <laughs> Saxon Evans with Hold Tisson. Thank you for being here. Good Great to be job here. today. Tell Vic he did awesome, too. If you Absolutely. have any questions for Saxon or Vic, please reach out to them. If you're looking to get into commercial real estate, those are your guys. Greg Martinez, the broker owner with Greg Martinez Realty. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Happy Father's Day to you and all the fathers out there. Thank you. Same to you. Um, it's you know a special day for us. One thing is just feed us and let us watch golf if Tiger's winning. Right, you know that's right, one thing that really makes us right. happy. But happy Father's Day, seriously, to all you fathers out there. And thank you for joining me today. If you have any questions about anything we talked about today, I have people standing by right now. Four zero seven two zero five zero four zero zero or visit youhavepower.com. I'm attorney Justin Clark, and I'll see you right back here next week for another edition of You Have Real Estate.